0: Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Spill the Baby Tea, a podcast where we can only talk about all things motherhood and parenthood. My name is Helen Wu Wang, I am a mom to a 10-month-old baby boy, and I am here to create a space where we can all share, connect, and feel a little less alone. Today we're going to talk about sleep. Oh, sleep. One of the hottest topics in parenthood, and also the most challenging I'll talk about how we got our baby to sleep through the night. We're in this together, so let's get this episode started. (laughs) As with every episode of Spill the Baby Tea, we are going to start with our giggle and drool of the week. My giggle of the week is that our baby boy, who is 10 months old now, is starting to learn how to kiss me on my cheek. He kind of smooshes his face onto my cheek, not really pursing his lips, but it's a little love pick nonetheless. And it is the most heartwarming thing ever to finally have reciprocal, intentional love received from a blob of a human that can't really communicate yet. Babies can't say thank you. There's no, thanks mom for making me that tomato pasta dish. That was delicious. Or thanks for wiping my butt, mom. That was sticky and smelly. So it's nice to see our baby start to to learn and communicate his love back. What I do is go kiss, kiss, and he'll lean his little head towards my cheek and just linger his face there. A little smoosh, smoosh. It is the cutest thing ever. My drool of the week And this is going to make me sound really old, but my joints have been hurting. I need to know if this is just me or if there are any other moms out there that feel this way, but I've been getting injured way more easily nowadays. I signed up for league volleyball with a few friends, which proud of myself for getting back out there because pre-baby, I was very active and pain-free and postpartum, I am very tired and achy. Two weeks ago at volleyball, it was so strange. It was like the moment I picked up a ball, my fingers were very stiff. They've never felt that way before. I hadn't done anything with the ball yet, but I already felt like I was afraid to set a ball. Everything just felt stiff, like I was stabbing at the ball and putting a lot of pressure on my fingers in all the wrong areas when nothing really changed with my form at all. And what ended up happening that night was I sprained my knuckle joint or maybe I fractured it. I don't really know what the actual damage has been, but it's been two weeks and it still hasn't healed up yet. I spoke to another mom recently about this and she said her joints started hurting a lot after having her first child And there's no science to back this up, but I've been wondering, is it because our bodies expanded so much and so quickly during pregnancy and got so juiced up by hormones that our joints expanded and never really found its way back? Like that seems to make so much sense in my own head, but there's no science to back that up. But really, pregnancy is just no joke. Of course, I love the outcome. I am so in love with our baby boy and couldn't imagine a world without him in it. But pregnancy really does change your body, not just on the outside, but on the inside too. If there are any other mamas out there who have joint pain postpartum, let me know. I would love to hear your experience and any stories from you. So for today's episode, I am going to talk about how we got our baby boy to sleep through the night. Sleep is a hot topic in the parenting community, and in my opinion, based on my observations from mommy blogs and Instagram comments and YouTube comments, it is the most divisive topic amongst parents. Either you're in the camp of sleep training, which is teaching your baby to fall asleep without help from you, or you are not in the camp of sleep training. Let me just say that I was very on the fence about recording this episode because even amongst my own mommy friends, I can tell people feel strongly one way or the other. And I know I'm going to get a lot of varying comments on this topic, but that's okay. The reason why I still wanted to record this episode and put it out into the world is because I would say what I'm about to say on this podcast to a friend And I have to many friends who also struggled immensely with getting their babies to sleep through the night. And after I shared what I will on this podcast, all of them have texted me and been like, PTL, thank you for sharing what you did with your baby because we were going insane. I think it's super important to be open with people and to support parents in their journeys, even if it looks different from the path that you yourself would choose. This is a judgment-free zone, so if you've chosen not to sleep train your baby, I support and admire you. All the power to you. And if you did choose to sleep train, I get it, and I commend you on staying strong through it because it is not easy. Watching strong moms and parents make empowered choices for their families in whatever way works for their families is what we love to see. So, How was our baby sleeping before we decided to sleep train him? Oh, let me just say he was not sleeping. He was up every two to three hours for most nights for the first nine months of his life. Nine months. Okay. Just imagine how long nine months really is. And imagine not getting more than three hours of sleep for every single one of those nights. It's a lot on anyone's psyche and mental health. Both Philip and I actually slept on a queen mattress that was just on the floor in our baby's nursery for like four to five months because of how frequently he was getting up at night, waking up three to six times, sometimes, a night. And every single one of those times, one of us would peel ourselves off that bed, pick him up, heat up milk and walk him back and forth back and forth in our arms sometimes sometimes for 10 minutes but most of the time it was like an hour to sometimes two hours to get him to fall back asleep and this was almost every night every single night and every night we held on to this hope that this would be the night that everything changes this would be the night that some magical lucky Stardust somehow landed on our baby, and he suddenly becomes a good sleeper. And it just, it just never happened. The second any of us would sit down, he would just start crying. I think if we were able to lay down with him or sit with him in our chair, it would have been a lot easier. But he knows what he likes. He likes to be held. And for anyone that says, oh, but this period of time will only last for so long, so just push through, I don't disagree with you but to an extent. As a working mom, I don't have the ability to be up all night and be in the right mindset to work the next morning. Could I sleep two to three hour stretches and push through for a week every night? Maybe for two weeks? Yeah, I did. And I actually think, I yeah, I could. But after a certain point, you reach your personal max. Everyone has their own personal maxes and points of pure exhaustion and burnout. You gotta do what works for you and your family. So, stepping way back, while I was pregnant, I have an older sister. She's two years older. Sup, Annie? And she has two kids now one that is five, and one that is three. And I remember her highly recommending to me and Philip that we sleep train our baby once our baby was age appropriate for the training, which according to our doctor and sources online was between four to six months of age. This age range is considered the sweet spot since babies are old enough to physically make it for six to eight hours overnight without needing to eat, but they aren't quite at the point where the comforting you provide has become a sleep association. So my sister, she recommended this to us because she tried sleep training her first kid, but she gave up on it. And he still, at five years of age, needs to sleep with someone at night, whether it's my sister, my brother-in-law, my mom, someone. I think my mom was at home with my sister when she was trying to sleep train. And trust me, Asian grandmas do not understand why you would let a kid cry for even a minute. So my sister, she gave in then. But with her second, she was very set on sleep training. And her little girl, her little three-year-old, is now a very good independent sleeper. So she has one great sleeper. And one not-so-great one. And I remember when she told me about the, the outcome of where her kids are now, I was like, oh, hell yeah, of course I'm going to sleep train our kid. Like, for sure. And Philip was on the same page with me. Fast forward to us being four months in of sleepless nights, there was no way <laughs> that we were going to sleep train our little angel. Like, we we were the type of people that would jump up at the first sound of whimpering and and we knew that we shouldn't but something just pulled at our heartstrings and we would literally race each other to his door to pick him up and soothe him and because we tended to him so quickly that might have derailed his efforts to learn to self soothe but with the sleep training we were like okay we got to do this 4 months passed 5 months passed 6 months passed and every week we said to ourselves okay we got to start this week we got to start now Seven months passed. Okay, we gotta do this for for real. I'm tired, you're tired, we're both cranky. He's tired from not getting consistent long stretches of sleep through the night. Our tempers are short throughout the day. We're all exhausted. But, you know, maybe tonight will be better. Eight months passed. Holy shit, our baby is at the 90th percentile he is a big boy and our arms are about to fall off from carrying him for hours upon hours every night trying to bounce and rock and soothe him back to sleep nine months come around we read somewhere that after 10 months it's going to be extremely hard to sleep train a baby because Around that age is when they start pulling themselves up in the crib and standing, and it gets exponentially harder for them to want to first lay down and then soothe themselves back to sleep. Versus if they can't climb up yet, they're either on their stomachs or their backs and can just suck on their thumbs or pacifiers and soothe themselves back to sleep. So you're removing that one element of needing to go from standing to lying back down. So nine months comes around. It's now or never honestly and we considered the never we had already survived nine months we were like okay what's another four years of this right it was just really really hard for us to start we were dreading it we were dreading it we didn't want our baby to feel any ounce of sadness or abandonment or anything like that but we knew the amount that he was crying and waking up in the middle of the night was not healthy nor good for his development. And we've learned through thorough research when we were thinking, okay, we got to really decide if we want to sleep train or not, that while we were concerned that sleep training would harm our baby's health or create attachment-related issues down the line, research shows that sleep training does not increase the risk of behavioral or emotional problems later in childhood. Many, many experts also say that sleep training is not only safe, it's healthy and important for baby's development. There are also many other benefits of sleep training outside of just sleep, which I'll talk about later on. But with all of this in mind, nine months in, we said, okay, great. It is time. So what method did we use? I talked to a few friends whose babies were older than us and asked what method they used. I think it's always good to get the opinions of people who have been through what you're going through. Two of our friends had sleep nannies that they texted on demand, someone that basically helped guide them through the process. And for both of these friends, they said that was a great experience for them because of the level of support they needed and that they received. One of my friend's daughters wasn't the best eater either so their sleep nanny tailored the plan to her feeding since sleep and feedings are usually super linked together and so that was an option that we considered someone to help guide us because of all the small deviations and situations that pop up that are unique to your own kid right and having a professional to help you stay the course can be a really good option when emotions are super high a few other friends i talked to including my sister suggested taking care of baby She is someone you can find on Instagram. She's a great resource for any parents out there. I was already following her before getting the suggestion from my sister or friends to take her sleep training course, but it's taking Cara, C-A-R-A, baby, not sponsored. And we decided to follow her plan, which is sent to you via email in a 60 page long PDF. There are also other methods you can follow depending on what works for your family. There's the CIO cry it out or extinction method, basically where you put your baby down and let them cry until they fall asleep without any comfort or help from you. There's the Ferber method, which is similar to the taking care of baby method, which allows you to periodically check in with your baby in timed intervals of crying, increasing the length of the intervals for each check-in or pop-in. There's the chair method, where you sit in a chair next to your baby's crib and you move the chair further and further away from the crib until you creep out the door. There's the bedtime fading method, the pick up, put down method, and many more. They're all out there on the interwebs if you want to read more about them. But taking care of baby is what we did. Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? So what was our experience like? On the night of September 9th, which, fun fact, is the most popular day to be born in America, lots of babies made around New Year's Day, on this day, we whipped out the PDF. We read it together top to bottom, and both Philip and I, we felt prepared. That was very important for me and for him that we were both reading this and on the same page because if one of us was off and we had a screaming baby and one of us was crying and emotional and sad, the other person had to be the rock and steer the ship ahead instead of stalling it together. We literally felt like we were entering such a scary unknown. Like, we were actually afraid. We were so nervous and I can't remember the last time we were so nervous for something. We were just so unsure about how our baby would react to us not picking him up right away, not attending to him immediately. Like anytime you change up the vibes and what you're familiar with, it's just scary. Especially if you care so much about your little one. So it was tough, but we prepared as much as we could. We watched hours upon hours of YouTube videos with other parents showing what sleep training was really like for them. We texted more friends who slept trained And they just kept assuring us that it was the best decision they had ever made. Every single person that I talked to that had done sleep training, um, except for one person, actually. One person, one friend tried to sleep train their baby when they were already walking. And I think that's when it was like a really bad situation for them. So I think trying to keep it within a certain period of time is fairly important. But everyone else had said sleep training was the best decision they had ever made in their lives as parents and they would tell us you know you got this and give us that encouragement that we really needed like we we were really 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 nervous to do it so september 10th comes around Oof. We had our Excel sheet ready with a little message at the top that said, our whole family will be happier and healthier when we all get to sleep well. We also had a sleep mantra at the top that drove in the purpose of why we were doing this. It said to make our baby better adjusted for cognitive development, for independent sleeping. We love him so, 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 so much. And this was on the top of every single Excel worksheet that we filled out and I'll share with you, this is a table that we had created. The rows were labeled as first pop-in, second pop-in, third pop-in, etc. And across the top, we had bedtime, which is when we would put him down to sleep. We had first wake, which is when he first starts to cry, second wake, third, all the way up to six wakes, which, jumping ahead a little bit, we never had to go to. And the way Taking Care of Baby's method worked is that we would go through his sleep routine, put him down drowsy but awake and walk out the door closing the door behind you if he cries you allow him to cry for five minutes and at the five minute mark you pop in you don't pick him up you pat him on his butt give him confident affirmations like you got this you're so strong mommy and daddy love you so much you got this baby And the pop-ins are to let your baby know that you are present and he or she is not left alone or being abandoned. It's for them to understand that you are walking alongside them throughout the process. So you do the pop-ins for 15 to 20 seconds max and you walk right back out. If he or she continues crying, the next pop-in is then at 10 minutes. And if she or he continues, you pop in in 15 minutes, so on and so forth. And you can cap how long the intervals are, but we always said max for us would be 15 minutes before each of our pop-ins. And if they say they, they fall asleep at 8 p.m., all is quiet, and they start crying again at 9 p.m., you gotta start this process all over again. Give them five minutes of crying, pop in, 10 minutes, pop in, etc., until they fall asleep again. The most difficult, I think, is in the middle of the night, But you got to stay consistent and strong throughout it. A lot of times it's that in the middle, 2 a.m. wake up where you're like, all right, I don't want to do this anymore. I give up. But that's when you got to stay strong and just be consistent throughout it. So how did it go? For us, night one, we started with our sleep routine, which we already had a very good sleep routine built in for him months before we ever did the sleep training. And this is going to look different for every family. But for us, it always started with a nice, warm bath after dinner, followed by a full body lotion and massage, the calming scent of lavender, which we give to him every night, a fresh diaper, reading one and two books in our rocking chair in the nursery, including his favorite book, Baby's Here, a bottle of warm milk, a sleep sack, saying goodnight to the world outside our window, pulling down the blinds, turning on our sound machine, closing the door, letting him flip down the light switch. That has been his routine for months. And he knows when it's bedtime. Once we go through this routine, he starts getting sleepy. His head starts like, like, you know, leaning against my shoulder because he's like, all right, it's time to go to sleep. And so prior to this night of September 10th, we would do our sleep routine and hold him and just rock him back and forth and walk back and forth in our room. Like we always said, okay, 10 times back and forth, back and forth, which Takes a while until he was extremely drowsy in our arms. We always try to put him down drowsy but awake, which is what is recommended, but that just never worked for us. It was like immediate crying every time the hair on his skin touched the bed. (laughs) He would just be like bawling out of control. So we would always hold him until he was basically asleep before laying him down. So day one of sleep training, we put him down at 7.43 p.m gave him a lovey, and walked out. And Philip, he immediately breaks down and cries. And I was like, bro, like, come on, we just started. We're already falling apart. And of course, our baby is crying in there like, what the fuck are y'all doing? You just put me down and walk away? And I start getting teary-eyed, but I knew that I had to be the rock in this moment. And Philip and I, we just hold each other for five minutes and I do the first pop-in at around seven fifty p.m. I wipe our baby's tears and try to wipe as many of the boogers away as possible, put on a brave voice, tell him he's doing amazing, that he's got this and that we love him. And then I walk out and we're hella tense. Philip does the next pop-in at 803 p.m. about 10 minutes later and at 812 we hear silence. So total amount of crying that first time ever of just putting him down fully awake was 29 minutes and usually he would wake up around 10 or 11 p.m but night one silence we also had not completely weaned him off night feeds yet we tried but because he was up so often at night we honestly couldn't tell if he was hungry or not and we would feed him in case he was hungry so At 11 p.m., we decided to dream feed, which if you hadn't heard of this before, dream feeds are done with the intention of encouraging a baby to sleep longer through the night because you're ensuring that they have a fuller stomach. So we went into his room, very carefully picked him up, and we were so scared to pick up a sleeping baby because the fact that he was sleeping, why in the world would we try and wake him up, right? We had never done that before. But the dream feed went perfectly. His eyes were closed the whole time. Obviously, we kept the lights off. He sucked away until the bottle was dry and then just let it go. And we then very carefully tried to burp him, gave up on that because he was not burping. He was so asleep. And we just put him down as gently as possible. Philip was always very, very good at that. So he was always the one that um, picked him up from the crib. And I was sitting. On the nursing, the rocking chair, and then he would hand him over to me, I would feed him, and then Philip would pick him up and then put him back in the crib. And then we tiptoed our way out, high-fived each other for a successful dream feed. And during this first night, 106 AM was when we heard crying again. 113 AM, like clockwork, we went in to check on him. You got this baby, you're doing it, we love you. We checked the baby monitor, which we had set up two of, one above him and one to his side, so we could see all angles of him. 1 16 a.m. his eyes start closing he starts to calm down but he's still kind of like whimpering crying here and there very close to falling asleep but not really getting settled so at 1 38 a.m. almost 20 minutes later we decide to pop in this time he gets angry and aggravated sometimes you just gotta feel it out to assess if you need to pop in because if your baby is kind of calming down chilling out when you pop in sometimes that aggravates them more which is a hard lesson we learned that night 2.05 a.m. was our last pop in that night, almost 50 minutes of on and off crying. He then doesn't wake up until 6.51 a.m., which I know it already sounds like it was a rough night, but the fact that he only woke up once in the middle of the night was insanely already so amazing for us. I remember waking up, hearing him looking at the time on our phones, and both Philippa and I looked at each other wide-eyed, and we were like, oh my god, is it really almost 7 a.m.? He slept through till the morning? Remember, he used to wake up three to six times every night. And on night one, it was only one wake up. 29 minutes of crying when we put him down to sleep, about 50 minutes of intermittent crying around 1 a.m. Night two, 7.31 p.m. bedtime. Two pop-ins, 25 minutes of crying. And that night, he wakes up at 10.07 p.m. And we're like, oof, okay, this one is a little bit earlier than night one. Another two pop-ins and 23 minutes of very low intensity intermittent crying during that second wake up. We dream feed at 11.15 p.m. He then sleeps through the night until 6.25 a.m. Philip and I, we are not morning people, and we have never been so happy to be awoken at 6.25 a.m., ever. We were so proud of him for sleeping through the night. We gave him so many kisses and hugs, and he was probably like, what is wrong with y'all? Y'all okay? And the thing is, he's happy. He's smiling when he sees us. There's no, like, sadness or trauma in his eyes, and Usually in the morning, we're always met with tears. So the fact that he was a happy baby in the morning was huge leaps forward already. Night 3, 7.14 p.m. Bedtime with only one pop-in, 13 minutes of crying. And he doesn't wake up until 6.11 a.m. Y'all, this shit works. Night 4, 6.41 p.m. Bedtime with, again, only one pop-in, 11 minutes of crying he wakes up at 6 31 a.m the longest stretch of sleep in his life 11 hours and 46 minutes night 5 7:13 p.m bedtime barely a minute of crying and he's asleep no more poppins still a dream feed 5 48 a.m wake up time night 6 8 22 p.m bedtime one big wah! when we put him down but settled less than a minute later. He's quietly crawling or rolling around in his crib, but he's asleep until 6.06 AM. Night eight was when we had no crying at all when we put him down, which taking care of baby says there's a 98% success rate in helping babies sleep 10 to 12 hours for babies over five months of age. And we were so certain that our baby was in that 2% range, but lo and behold, he had always been capable of independent sleeping. He just needed a little bit of help from us. I'll also add in here that in terms of his age and when we finally decided to sleep train him, not gonna lie, I'm pretty glad we trained him around nine months, which is on the later end compared to my friends that have done it. And I think we preferred this time because at this age, we absolutely knew he didn't need us to sleep. When he cried, we could hear in his cry that he was just protesting because we changed up a familiar routine. He was definitely not in distress or in harm's way you think you know a cry is a cry but as a mom you can kind of hear the way your baby cries and what he needs if it's food if it's sleep and we knew that he was just an angry baby i honestly don't know if we would have been comfortable training at five or six months nine is definitely was definitely more comfortable for us So what is his schedule like now? Since the training, he has slept 10 to 12 hours straight. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm even saying that. 10 to 12 hours straight every single night. And we no longer walk him back and forth, bounce him around, hold him in the rocking chair. We just plop him down in his crib wide awake, walk out, and he falls asleep by himself. It's incredible. I had so many of you reach out to me to talk about this topic because I know just how much of a strain this can be on all of our lives. So for all the parents out there who are struggling with sleep right now, of course, please do your own research, consult with your doctor, make sure sleep training is okay for your baby. But if you are sleep deprived and exhausted and feel like you can't show up to be the best parent for your baby because of it, I am talking to you as a friend. Consider sleep training, prioritize it, don't wait. Sleep training absolutely changed our life in the best way our little one is happier he is more well rested and energetic throughout the day and also something i noticed unrelated to the training but possibly related is how well he can sit in his car seat now i always had a difficult time taking him out to run errands with me because he seemed to hate the car seat and would cry but after sleep training him it's almost like it wasn't the car seat he just needed to learn how to regulate his emotions and he's good in the car seat now. Research has also shown that babies that sleep more at night have been found to have an easier temperament, be more approachable, less distractible, and more adaptable. And in multiple studies, parents noted that their babies were more secure, predictable, less irritable, and less fussy after they followed a sleep plan. Children with good sleeping skills also test higher in math and science later in life. Let's go! (laughs) Sleeping is a skill that you cannot achieve for your little one, but you can accompany them on their journey. Think of it as you're the coach and your baby is the player. You will be cheering them on from the sidelines, but they are the ones that will have to play in the game and learn how to sleep on their own. That's what sleep training is like. So for anyone out there who's thinking about sleep training, make sure again to 1. Establish a solid bedtime routine and start it ASAP if you haven't already. Give them cues that it's time to go to sleep for a longer period of time. 2. Make sure they're getting sufficient calories throughout the day so they're not hungry at night. And try and wean them off night feedings. That's always helpful to do before sleep training so that when they wake up in the middle of the night, you know they're not hungry. 3. Be consistent with whatever method you choose for at least two weeks to give it a chance to work. I'm only sharing all of this because it broke my heart and I really did not enjoy seeing our baby wake up and cry so much at night. And now, not a single tear. It's crazy. It's so crazy. Also, a mom's exhaustion and sanity is no joke, y'all. I've been the best mom that I can be since we've sleep trained, and I'm glad I can share my experience with you all out there. I would love to hear if you related to this episode in any way. Did you decide to sleep train? Did you decide not to? Have you had an unsuccessful sleep training attempt? Did you have a super sleeper right off the bat? Let me know. I would love to hear from you all. Thank you as always for allowing me to share my personal journey with you all. I have so much more to learn and would love to continue connecting and learning from you all out there. You can follow Asian Boss Girl on Instagram at Asian Boss Girl and me, Helen at HWUWU. And hopefully, you know by now, but we have shows out every Tuesday and our main show on Thursday. From me and my little bums, (laughs) bye for now.